If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. We have been talking about seven deadly sins. We have. Which is something that in the Protestant church, we don't talk about them that way. It's not like in the Protestant church, we think those things are okay. We don't think that. Right. But we don't, we don't dwell on them. And this just occurred to me this morning. The, you know, the, the Protestant church service, as we've talked about, revolves around learning, mm-hmm. learning the Bible, learning God's word. But here's what struck me today. It's almost always big picture stuff that I hear in sermons, overarching themes. Here's how the Old Testament relates to the New. Here's how this, you know, whatever. But uh, never specific sins. I never hear sermons about specific sins. Nobody ever gets up, not, not in my experience, very seldom. We're going to talk about pride today and how you should not be proud and, how you, and here's what you should do and you should pray. And then afterwards, if you feel like you've got this problem, come up and pray with us because we, you know, they well, just. Well, I, I, look, I, I'd say that I'm not sure that, that that is inherent in Protestantism. When I was a Protestant pastor, I can think of a few times of getting granular, but I would say it's, it's a, a key part of American evangelicalism right and in, in, right. in contem- the contemporary the kind of contemporary churches that that you're 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 a part of where it's a contemporary praise and worship right. bible church is big picture thematic stuff not granular yes. except increasingly to the degree that they are going woke that they get really granular on racism or uh, yeah, you know, uh, climate change or right. whatever, right? I mean, right. those are the new, those are the new granular, those are the new sins, the yeah. new granular skin sins, right? But okay, but your point, but so, so my, yeah, the thing is that when we do talk about sin, it's always in the context of being freed from it. Jesus mm-hmm. has come and freed you from it, so right, you're fine. Well, that, I think that's, I think that's true. I, th- I think that's a really good observation. I, I think in that world to the degree that you talk about sin, it's something that's kind of in the rear view mirror. It's the the sins that we're freed from, the sins that Jesus frees us from without really taking sin seriously as an, as an opponent, as a disease. I mean, I heard, right. I mean, if you were, if we took sin seriously as a disease, right. Right. Like you would, you would take a a disease or a, what, a, a virus or, Right. Or something, and, and we took it really. Yeah, certainly, don't we don't take those kinds of sins. We don't give them the same level of examination that we do on one side of the aisle with climate change or systemic right. racism or whatever, where we get super granular into the types and, right. and typology and causes and solutions, right? But you know, when was the last time you heard that kind of thing about? you know, pride or envy or wrath or lust or gluttony. Right. Well, we, just, we just don't talk about those. 
it's what you said. Those things are in the rearview mirror. And I think what I have seen over the course of my life is a, a gradual and then ever uh, uh, faster sort of uh, dive down into, well, it's okay. You know, that um, um, you want to you live with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Hey, that's okay. God loves you. And, and all, you know, name, name a sin, name any you, sin. You know, I just, it just occurred to me, I hadn't thought of this before. Uh, so maybe that my, maybe this isn't very, you know, this is going to be, you know, fully baked here, but you know, you always uh, think about these, um, like time travel scenarios where you say, if I could go back in time, uh, 500 years ago or, right. or something, and I could, with all the knowledge that we have now, or, you know, sophisticated scientific knowledge, what could I teach people back then? Right. Right. And so we think, well, if I could only go back and uh, teach people hundreds of years ago or whatever about the germ theory of disease, right. and if I could go back and teach them why they shouldn't drink the water and they should boil the water and understand right. germs and understand antiseptics and how people get sick and how infections, right? Oh my gosh, I could, you know, really change them because, you know, people are back then were uh, drinking bad water. I mean, like, right, like these civil war things were earlier where the, they're, the doctors in the civil war tent or something are right. Yeah. Uh, amputating one guy's leg with a saw bone saw. Then they're right. going to the other guy and they're not sterilizing the instruments because right. right. they don't understand the germ theory thing. And then everyone's getting infected right. and dying. Right. So we always have this, this kind of, um, idea that we have all of this technical scientific knowledge and that if we could only go back in time to earlier eras, they would benefit from knowing all of those things and particularly things like the medical things, right. what causes diseases and how people get sick and whatnot. So here's my kind of half-baked idea. What, what I think is interesting about the seven deadly sins is what if people from a thousand years ago could come forward today hmm. yeah. and teach us about things like pride and envy and gluttony and wrath right. and the seven deadly sins, because much in the same way that we Right, they maybe didn't understand the germ theory disease and why people kept getting sick or infected, right? Right, or you know, getting the plague or whatever because they right. didn't understand, you know, those medical concepts, uh, and how much they would benefit from us being able to explain that to them. In the same way, we have, we no longer have the knowledge that they did of the things that affect our souls, right. Right. And when you look at yep. th this sort of knowledge of sin and the kinds of things that are, you know, thousands of years of knowledge and reflection on the seven deadly sins, where you talk about these are the things that are mortal sin that will separate from God, much in the same way that these germs or viruses or whatnot, right, are making people sick. These are the things that are making 21st people sick in their soul. Right. And, yeah. and in some weird way, like if we could trade them knowledge, I'll teach you about germs and viruses. If you'll teach us about pride, wrath, envy, right. gluttony, and so forth, because those are the things that are making modern people sick. Right. And the other seems more important. The older seems more important. I mean, you, you, you know, let's say that by uh, knowing about the germ theory, you can, you could add 30 years to your life. Well, I'm still going to die. Yeah, I don't want my child to die from infection because I, if I had only known better. But by the same, but to your point, by the same token, I, I don't want to go to hell. Right. 
I mean, you don't literally, want to... literally, I don't want to go to hell because nobody bothered to tell me about right. pride, envy, wrath. God it never me, made whatever. sense to me all these years that I, I, when I was told that, excuse me, that the, um, that uh, these, uh, you don't have to worry about sinning. Um, right. it, it, it felt to me like, well, you know, you, you, Jesus has got you and, and he'll never let you go and, and you don't have to worry. And I'm thinking, well, couldn't I walk away? I mean, couldn't, couldn't I just walk away? Well, Why, well, what, what, right. God, you know. So this is the whole thing about, right? I mean, this, this, this kind of extreme evangelical notion that you're just saved by the act of acceptance. So right. if I say that I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that that simple act of faith or acceptance then uh, cancels, right? This is the, the evangelical right. story in this. Then it cancels the debt of sin against me. All of my sins, past, present, and future, right. are not held against me. Right. All debts, past, present, and future, are canceled against me because I made that act of acceptance. Right. And what's weird about that, right, is, is nobody thought that. Nobody taught that. Scripture doesn't teach that. Um, and this is the, you know, where the, the Reformation and the Catholic Church separated over some of these issues. And, but, but I, I, having been a Calvinist, having been a Protestant, you know, came to the realization that, that the Protestant position is sort of incoherent. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I shared an episode when I got back to, from the Holy Land, yeah. Holy Land Diaries, uh, and I was talking about, uh, in the first of those, if you haven't listened to that, Holy Land Diaries on the... The first one, uh, I want to talk about the Sea of Galilee. And we went while we were in Galilee. Oh, why? Let's not wind. By the way, yeah. we are, uh, yeah, let we, people know, we, this is the first day of spring, and we... We are back at the secret compound. That's right. We're back at the One Rolling Adventure secret I think compound of we the should. I think we should post one photo uh, like, and see if the dudes on Reddit... Can can ah, can uh, pick up yeah. on the, Metadata, the audio yeah, and, and right. all the stuff and see if they can. Pick. I don't know if I want them. I don't want to like this is like the Bat Cave. I mean, yeah. it, you you can't find it unless you get directions. I picture I picture a group of Protestants and <laughs> uh, Catholics rumbling yeah. over there uh, across <laughs> the field over here. <laughs> they're gonna find they're gonna find the Bat Cave out here right. in the piney woods. Um, so anyway, dear listeners, if you hear the pines whistling or the birds chirping, we are yeah. once again at first of spring back out outdoors. So anyway, um, back to uh, the Sea of Galilee, you know, when we were up near Capernaum, uh, as I shared, there's a beach there, which is the location where when after the resurrection, when Peter and James and John and Andrew and a few of the apostles went back up to go fishing in Galilee, like returned to their former lives. And Jesus met them on the beach, showed up one morning out there, if you recall the story uh, and, from the Gospels, and, and Jesus is on the beach one morning and he calls him in, right? And this is where he restores Peter. Mm -hmm. And I described all this in that episode, so it won't take as much time to hear, but just to, mm -hmm. to recall for people. So... Peter on the night of the, the night before the crucifixion had denied three times that he even knew right. Jesus, right? So three times you deny me and the cock crows, right? So on that beach that morning, he, he restores Peter. And also uh, it's really establishes P the primacy of Peter among the apostles to, to lead the church. But one of the things that he does there is he asks Peter three times, 
do you love me, Peter? And three times Jesus says, I do. And so the traditional gloss on this is that the three denials are counterbalanced by the three affirmations of right, love by right, Peter. Yeah. What I said in that episode, though, is I think that that location brought to mind or brings to mind and that story, I think the perfect illustration of the Catholic view of faith and works, kind of how we're getting into mm-hmm. this, because he says to Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course I do. Yes, I love you, Lord. And he goes, then feed my sheep. And then a second time, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, yes, I do. Feed my sheep. And the third time, Peter, do you love me? And it says that Peter at this point is wounded and hurt. I do, I do. Why do you keep asking me? He says, then feed my sheep. And the point that you'll make is that uh, it's not just enough to say that you love me. Right. That love involves an action. So if you love me, you will go do, you will go feed my sheep, go care for my sheep. And if you won't go care, care for my sheep, then it's hard to say that you really love me. Right. Or that you're acting on that love in a way that makes it real. Right. So bringing that back to this discussion, if I say, come down on the altar call at your, your contemporary right. church while you're playing the keyboard and the fog machine and the, you know, right. Right, the right. colored lights are going or whatever, and I come down and I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but then I go out and I'm still consumed with wrath and envy right. and gluttony and lust. The one answer is, doesn't matter. Go out. Consumed with wrath, gluttony, lust, and everything. You know, that's not good. No Protestants think that's good. But in a sense, they're saying it doesn't matter. Right. Because all of your gluttony, lust, envy, past, present, and future. Right is wiped out in that moment of acceptance. But back to the thing with Peter and the thank you, how can you say that you love, how can I say that I love you, Lord, if I am not transformed by that or don't act on that? Right. And this is where we get into saying, well, then am I earning your salvation? No, you're not earning my salvation. I'm making my salvation real. I'm working out my salvation. Right. Right. I'm acting out on it. I'm, I'm making it real. I'm the sanctified. We've talked about this endlessly on the podcast. So I, I think that the seven deadly sins are important, like you say, so often it gets talked about in contemporary evangelicalism in a rearview mirror kind of way. Like these are the things that Jesus saves you from. But these are the things that I need, if I love Jesus and I accept my Lord and my Savior, that I need to turn away from. Right, right. And I need, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to, in a sense, cure in myself because it's not enough to say that I love him if if I allow these things to consume me right. without, um, no, I can't ever perfectly purge myself, which is why we have the sacrament of confession and right. reconciliation and all these things. I can't ever completely purge myself of them. But if I'm not going to do, in a sense, do the work to make my salvation uh, tangible in my life, and this is where they don't get talked about, because really what we should be doing in the church is you should go in every Sunday every Sunday, right? But you should be going in and hearing, hey, people, this is pride. This is envy. This is wrath. This is gluttony. This is lust, right? This is, right? These are these things. These are all diseases of the soul. Right. Right. And and just as I said earlier, you know, just as we might want to go back and tell medieval people about 
uh, physical diseases and viruses and germs and whatnot, they, ancient people or Christians or medieval Christians might have a lot to tell us about curing our souls. Right. And we should be aware of these things. We should be studying. We, you know, we should be as conscious of these things as I am about my physical or medical safety. You know, we're, we're concerned about our health and our wellness and our safety. Right. But not the health and wellness and safety of our souls. And this is where I love that the Catholic Church gives me forms, things I can do, physical things, you know, confession, reconciliation, and so forth, whatever. Otherwise, what am I told? Well, I have a problem with, I have a problem with, uh, with wrath. What do I do? Well, just pray. Just, you know. Right. We, we, right. What am I supposed to do about it? Well, nothing. And this is the thing that's striking as we, and we'll, we'll get in here to, to the sin of the day, but right, like when it comes to these, we have 2,000 years of writing on these things. You know, that Chesterton quote about the Catholic Church is the only institution that's been thinking about thinking for 2,000 years. We have 2,000 years of the writings of the saints and doctors of the church right. and apostolic teaching that, I mean, just even preparing for today's episode, and I knew which sins we were going to talk about. It took me, you know, two minutes on my, on my iPad, right, just to refresh my memory about some things. I went to some sources and go, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, if I, if I wanted to, I could sit six or eight hours and read from any number of saints, like just right. hundreds of pages of, in a sense, dissecting, just in the same way that if I wanted to go and read about the things that we worry about today, which are right. physical health and physical wellness. Right. Uh, I could go find hundreds of pages about diet, nutrition, heart disease, right. this, that, a thousand other things. Um, I can go find hundreds of pages in an instant using the Google machine of the writings right. of the saints and doctors of the church and apostolic teachings about wrath mm-hmm. and envy and pride and gluttony. And, and not just what it is, like from an abstract theological standpoint, but practical things. Like these are the ways it manifests itself in your life. These are the ways you combat it. These are the ways that you lean into right. it. These are the ways that you, right. right, this way you try to combat it and make yourself better. And, and again, all of that, it's like 2,000 years of, of information lost. Right. As I said with the time machine thing earlier, like just... There's all of this knowledge that we just don't know. And we don't know, just as they didn't know why the plague was killing people. Right. And they walked out with those weird, um, remember the bird? Sure, like, the, yeah. But uh, plague doctor outfits yeah. where they, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. bird mask or whatever it was. And they walked around or they carried uh, roses in their pocket because the good right. smells to combat the bad smells. And we laugh about that, right? Right. Like, oh, how silly those people are. They didn't understand, right. Right? right? And you go, but they would be looking at us going, these people don't understand why their souls are sick. Yes. Now, we're going to talk about wrath. Let yes. me, I have a little story. I'm telling myself here. <laughs> it was really, I was a little more wrathy in this story than I, I feel good about, you know. But anyway, uh, it took place in a McDonald's drive-thru, as you might, as, <laughs> as you might as expect. As most stories about Ed. Most, <laughs> that's unfortunately. <laughs> Many Ed stories. Begin or end. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately. Anyway, so I was in, I was in the line and it was the two, the two lines, right? You know, and then there's this uh, sort of jockeying for who goes first, right? Well, this woman whose turn it was not, it was my turn to 
people up ahead. I was on the inside lane and I had already ordered and I pulled up and she finished up ordering and she whipped around sort of in front of me. And I thought, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, 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 no. And so I inched forward and she inched forward and she, she was, it looked to me like she was willing to like trade paint with me. Oh my god! She was just willing. She just wouldn't this look. This is getting exciting. She wouldn't look at me and, and she just kept going. And finally, I'm an inch from her door with my, with my bumper. Out. Yeah. And uh, she just wouldn't give and she went around and I was really angry. Yeah. I was really angry. I was wrathful. It was wrathful. Yeah. I was, it was bad. And so every time she moved forward, I would roar up behind her within an inch of her bumper, revving the engine and just letting her know that you don't do that to right. me, right? So, so I get up to the pay. She pulls ahead of me, and she's getting her food, and I'm at the pay window, and I hand the girl my credit card, and she says, oh, no, you're all set. The car ahead of you paid. Ah. And I sat there thinking, this rotten person cuts me off in line. And then, as I was telling my wife later, she had the um, she had the gall to 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 um, uh, pay for my meal and make me feel even worse. <laughs> I felt even worse then. I I wanted to go on with my wrath because it was kind of right. delicious, you right. know. Uh, I don't know. I I still don't. I don't even know who it was. I'll never know. It was. It was God hilarious. knows. Right. Someday you'll meet her in heaven. So I don't have a lot of. Right off the top of my head, questions about wrath, okay. about the Catholic thing. Right. But I do have a question that maybe you can get to uh, maybe later in the podcast. If Is wrath a sin if I don't act on it? Yeah. Asking for a friend. That's Asking the same. for a friend. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk about wrath. That's the sin of the day here. We'll get back to the conversation in just a few moments. But first, I'd like to ask for your support in producing and expanding this podcast. It's produced by a 501c3 nonprofit ministry called One Whirling Adventure, with a mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. Now, the production budget of this podcast isn't big, but it is real. We've set a goal of 40,000 worldwide downloads in 2023, with a crowdfunding goal of $35,000 to make that happen. Would you help us make that happen? If so, please go to consideringcatholicism.com. You can see our GuideStar charity rating there and donate online with a one-time or recurring gift. And if you have a business or organization interested in sponsoring our ministry, please shoot me an email, greg at consideringcatholicism.com. Thank you for listening and considering helping us to help others consider Catholicism. And now, back to the conversation. Let's distinguish right away. Let's talk about anger. Okay? Yep. Because the seven deadly sins, it doesn't say anger. And, and, and here's why. Anger is an emotion, mm -hmm. like happiness. Yeah. Okay? Yep. Um, or uh, maybe hunger is more than an emotion, right? Um, but let's kind of talk about, you know, sort of emotional, <laughs> emotionally hungry, but right? Th there are certain feelings that we have, angry, um, sad, 
happy, hungry, sleepy. Right. Right. And those emotions are kind of like energies, if you would think about it mm-hmm. that way. I don't mean in some like, woo, like a right. new age way, but I mean, it's like, if you think of it kind of an energy that can run through your body, right? And it can either be directed to a, to a, a positive or negative end. So let's take happiness, for example. Right. Being happy sounds good, right? What's wrong with being happy? But what if what makes me happy is like totally perverted and wrong wrong and hurts other people, right? Right. But what if I take joy and pleasure in something that's twisted or perverse or harmful to other people, Mm -hmm. right? Now, I could say, well, what's wrong? Shouldn't I be happy? Well, not happy in that. Right. Right? Right. Or what about sad? Uh, being sad is a legitimate emotion. There are things I should be sad about. There are things I shouldn't be sad about. If, right. if I, if some, something happened to somebody and I, the lady who got ahead of me, you, me in line or whatever, right? right? I, you, you know, I, uh, that becomes envy, right? I mean, I can, my, I could be sad about things that I should be happy about, or I can be, right? Right. Or, or hungry. Right. Like hunger can be a good thing, except if I'm hungry for things, for foods, or if my, if my hunger has no end, and that's right. when we get into gluttony. Right. Right? Uh, I'm hungry for lunch, but if I, you know, just keep eating lunch for six hours, right. at a certain point it becomes gluttony. So the, what I'm trying to say is that the, the emotions or the feelings or the energies are in and of themselves not necessarily good or bad things they are they just are god made us as human beings and we have emotions and those are part of what god built into us and anger is one of them there are things but to what what is that what determines whether that anger becomes a sin or the deadly sin of wrath one of the things that determines that is to what end it is devoted. Just as I said a moment ago, it, b- being happy is fine unless I'm, what makes me happy is perverted and twisted and harmful to other people. And being angry about certain things can be uh, valid because Scripture is full of sure. examples. Jesus right. was angry, right? right? So when Jesus goes into the temple and he sees the money changers in the temple— that are blaspheming and profiting on the poor, right. Jesus is angry, overturns the you know, tables, right. makes a whip out of rope and starts whomping on him, right? right. He's, he, he has a righteous, justifiable anger about something that is unjust, right? Mm-hmm. So anger is an emotion if it's directed to a correct end, is a feeling. What you know, we've talked about this before. Part of Catholicism, the worldview of Catholicism, and involves an understanding of 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 ends, mm-hmm. E-N-D-S, yes. like yeah. telosis, right? So, you know, we're sitting at a table here, right? And we've right. talked about this before. The 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 end, the purpose of a table, right. tableness right. is something that you can put things on and sit around, right. Right. right? right. And if you can't put things and sit around it, it's it's not a table, uh, or it's a broken table, right? right? And so a lot of what determines within the sort of Catholic worldview, the legitimacy of things is the end to which they are directed. 
So if I see, for example, let's suppose I walk out my front door one morning to take, let my dog out, you know, to do its business. And uh, I look uh, uh, next door, not that this would happen because I love my next door neighbors, but hypothetically, right? right? right. I, I look next door and I see a guy who's beating his child, right? Abusing his child. And I might feel, a, I should probably feel a rush of anger about that because it's an injustice. It's a horrible thing. Right. He's over there abusing a child. If, 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 I, if, if anger does not arise in me at that moment, there's something almost broken inside of me. Right. 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 C.S. Lewis talked about this uh, in one of his books. He, he talked about how the emotions are, you, you'll appreciate this as uh, being, you know, at the Protestant, uh, that the emotions are like the keys on a keyboard, on a piano keyboard. Mm. And that all of those keys, all those black and white keys have their proper place. Mm-hmm. And that part of education or spiritual formation or maturity or wisdom is knowing which keys to play in which order at which right. times. So, for example, he says, if I'm walking along um, a frozen lake, and I look out there and I see a child has fallen in through the ice and is drowning. I may feel fear, but the correct thing to do is to summon up the courage, the, the you know, the yeah. feelings of, you know, courage and, and, you know, right. Whatever else that makes me put my fears aside and jump in the lake to save the child, because that's the right thing to do. So anger is just a, a feeling. The, the sin of wrath is when that energy, and I'm gonna let's think of it as energy, like it's like it's like a uh, like rocket fuel, right? Like right. like you know like high ethanol, right. you know fuel, yeah. right? Race car fuel. And the thing about anger is it really is like a powerful emotional fuel. Yeah. And therefore, it, it, it's combustible. It's it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, right? No, yeah. Be, because for a couple of reasons. One, it can be directed to the wrong end. So when you go back and you look at Catholic teaching from the saints and the doctors of the church and apostolic teaching, the 2,000 years of the Catholic reflections on wrath, there's a lot of conditions. Like, you know, those medieval people I talked about coming forward and, you know, teaching us. There were a lot of things that were written about what are the conditions when anger is legitimate or illegitimate or when it trips into wrath and becomes sinful. And one of the things is whether or not the thing that you're angry about is a legitimate injustice. Right. Right. Cause, uh, and whether it's proportionate. So if the lady cuts you off at the McDonald's drive through, it's an right. inconvenience. Right. Right. Maybe it's rude, but it's a minor inconvenience and minor rudeness. And at the end of the day, it, you know, make you make, wait 30 seconds longer to get right. your diet Coke and your fries or whatever. Right. right? So it's, it's, it's to, to have this kind of disproportionate anger directed. Right. And then to what it's directed, is it directed to the ladies, directed at McDonald's and directed to this country and the kind of country and how right. it's going to hell in a handbasket where people just cut each other off in the McDonald's. Right. I mean, do you see how quickly this becomes right. directed to weird ends and to the wrong places? So, and, and becomes disproportionate. And the another th- condition that the, the medieval they had doctors of the church, the ancient and medieval doctors talked a lot about 
was whether or not, in a sense, you have standing, whether it's any of your business. Right. So, so I could look at my, because my neighbors are great people, so I don't right. know, but I could look at somebody who's abusing their child and the next door neighbor's abusing their child and I could say, well, in a sense, I do, I, I am invested in that because this is a neighbor, this is a right. child who lives, and they are within my sphere of, right. of ability to do something about it, right? But this is where I think that social media and 24-7 cable news have really, really thrown gasoline on the, 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 the sin of wrath. Yeah. Because what we do now is we are consumed. And I know so many people, Ed, all you have to do is take two seconds and go on Twitter or sure. whatever or... Oh, oh, or we probably both know people on both sides of the political spectrum that spend all their time listening to political um, stuff on cable news or, or talk radio or social media. And they're endlessly outraged. It's right. this rocket fuel of anger that consumes. I mean, this energy is super powerful. Right. And after a while, they actually like being angry. This is like right, right, powerful. Right. It's, yeah. a dr- it's a drug. It's a it's a drug. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's like sure. a, it's like cocaine or something, right? And they 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 just it it hypes them and they're amped and, and it becomes a purpose. And so now I'm outraged about, you know, pick whichever thing it is or whichever side of the pol- political spectrum you're on. But that is this, you know, that's so right. And then the thing, and then you hear what they did, and you know, and it's like, and it's like, ding, every, you know, 10 minutes is another news cycle. And they don't even understand that these, these media businesses are actually profiting on selling you that drug. Exactly. And I'm not saying there aren't things out there in the world that are, that are unjust, that we shouldn't feel some righteous anger toward. Right. But they want you sitting there clicking refresh on your Twitter feed right. or clicking or, or staring at the cable news, waiting for every six minutes. We have breaking news, breaking news about right. something that happened somewhere in the last six minutes right. with some, there was some Congress person who said something outrageous. Right. And that you can be, uh, right. I always use a bad word, but you know, um, ticked off about. Right. And then it, it's a dopamine hit. Right. 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 I mean, yeah. and that's exactly what it is. It's a dopamine hit. It's like it gives actually your brain this jolt of dopamine, which elevates you just like a cocaine shot. It's it's outrage porn. Is it's outrage it is. porn. And it's like, I'm not going to be outraged about outrage. And after a while, all I have is the outrage. And it isn't directed to any constructive end. If I see my neighbor abusing his daughter right. in the backyard or something... Right. Then I'm going to call the police or I may, depending on the circumstance, I'm watching her physically be, right. you know, I may go over and intervene because I, I, right. Right. So there is a constructive end to it. Jesus sees uh, the money changers in the temple and he goes and he drives them out. Right. But for me to sit there and have outrage porn. Right. On cable news 24 right. seven, because congressperson or presidential candidate or whatever, right. so-and-so, did you hear the latest outrageous thing that they said six minutes ago? Right. And every six minutes, they got to drop a new headline breaking right. news. Right. I mean, this is sick. And it's, and it's what it's doing is, so it's, it's, it's anger that is no longer proportionate. 
It's no longer directed to any constructive purpose. It's no longer anything that I can specifically do something about. Right. Right? Right. It's just me being consumed by the energy of being angry. And at that point, it's no longer just a feeling. It's a thing that begins to take over. You know, I, I do some work. Um, I have another podcast that I do and uh, about neuro, neurology, neuropsychology. Yeah. We talk about neural pathways. And what happens is people's neural pathways get grooved. So this is why when you look at, for example, you know, drug abuse. So take the cocaine thing right. or pornography. What happens is a neural pathway gets grooved to do that. Right. Again, and, and it wants to keep going back to doing that thing that it's grooved to do. And when you've grooved your anger and it becomes the, the fuel that you live on, you need it. Right. Like, like the drug addict needs the drug. Right. It's the only thing that gives you, and here's another thing what really consumes you, it's the only thing that gives you purpose. Yeah. I get to be the angry person who's, uh, you know, angry about everything. Right. And at that point, this is not a legitimate emotion that has arisen in reaction to an injustice about which you have the capacity to do something in a constructive right. into it. This is n now a thing called wrath and it, it, it's taken over. It's a disease in your soul and it will corrode your innards. Right. It will yeah. rot you from the inside out. And I, and I know people who their life is defined by wrath. And when we talk about that being a deadly sin, you know, early in the episode we were talking about, can you, can you say I accept Jesus and then, you know, all of this is, how can you, when Jesus says, Peter, uh, if you love me, feed my sheep. Jesus says, uh, follow me, put me first, to right. do the things that I care about. And how can you do that when you are consumed and your mind and your heart, your emotions and right. your neural pathways and your energy level and your almost your purpose, your reason right. for existing now is defined by this wrathful anger. You're serving a different master. Now. You're serving a different master and you can no longer hear him. And you, and here's the thing is you've lost control. You no longer have the ability uh, to direct, right, to make right. rational choices because the anger drives you rather than you controlling the anger. Right. And, and that's going to be true when we talk about the others, whether it's gluttony or lust or anything else is when it controls you rather than you being able, like the piano keyboards we talked about earlier, right. whether than you being able to say, hey, uh, man, uh, bad guy raping the little girl over there, right. intervene because this is unjust. That's one thing. When this now defines you and consumes you, right. You no longer have control over it. It controls you. Now, I, I want to say another thing because watching the time here on this episode. So we've been working through this scheme on the seven deadly sins. And, there's, and, and I think we said in the first episode of this little mini series that there's two sort of lists of dev, seven deadly sins. Right. And you can go back and listen to that. 
There's one list that is tracked to the theological virtues and the, mm -hmm. the cardinal, what's called the cardinal pagan virtues. Right. This other list, we're working through a different scheme that comes, comes from the early church from the fifth century on. Thomas Aquinas talks about it, that sees the seven deadly sins, and then it, tr it, it looks at each of them as a disease with an antidote. Mm -hmm. So there's a corresponding virtue that is the antidote to this disease, right? right? Right. So the antidote on that list, the church's list for wrath, is something called meekness. I want to say something about that real quick. Meekness or meek is an unfortunate English word. You know, there's a lot of words that we have in English or, or when it comes to Christianity or the Bible that obviously... When Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are the meek, he didn't say the word meek. How do I know that? Because the word meek is an English word. Right. And English hadn't been invented yet. Right. Used a Aramaic word that was translated into Greek. And then it has come down into our English Bibles translated as meek. And the reason why I think meek is an unfortunate word, and we could talk about some other words that, you know, are like this, right. is that it has connotations right. to us today that are not the connotations that it would right. have had at that time, the original word. Right. And one of the, I think, just unfortunate things about the word meek is it happens to rhyme with another English word. Weak. Weak. And in our mind, we played a word association. Right. To be meek is weak. Meekness is weakness. But that's not what the original word, when Jesus said, blessed are the meek, he did not say in Aramaic the equivalent right. of blessed are weak people and blessed is right. the weak, you know, weakness. Right. That's not what he said. The word means has to do with the capacity to control and direct your anger, to, to have that in in, in a measured way where you're in control of it. Mm -hmm. Just like that example of the piano keyboard, I know that when I see something that is A, legitimately unjust, right. B, that God has put in front of me or I have some, it affects me or it affects somebody close to me or it's within my sphere of influence and I can do something about it. And three, when I have the ability to make some construct to, to address it constructively, okay, mm -hmm. then I direct the legitimate righteous emotion that I have towards that, towards constructively addressing that thing. Right. Meekness, as he talks about, as Jesus talks about, and the church has always understood it, is that ability to sort of rationally have control over that. You know, to to have we talked about how uh, Aristotle and then, and then later, remember in the Dante class, he talked about how what it means to be human is to have re reason and will. Mm -hmm. Reason is the ability to know uh, what is good and will is the ability to choose it. Right. Wrath over, overcomes both our reason and our will. We no longer think clearly and we no longer can choose clearly. Right. When Jesus says meekness and leaning into meekness, it is in a sense of a form of self-control in this area of our life mm -hmm. to know that. So let's, let's, let's ground this. You know, I look at things every day um, that make, that I, that I feel angry about as I'm sure you do. And not right. just people cutting in front of me, but 
I mean, I turn on the TV or flip open, you know, the internet or whatever, and I, uh, and I see things in the world and, you know, in current events and everything right. else that I feel very, I feel the emotion of anger about. Right. But to be meek is to know, to not allow that to become outrage in me because some of those things God hasn't put in front of me and there's nothing that I can construct. So I can recognize an injustice. I can recognize a wrong in the world. I right. can see something in current events and I can say that was wrong. That was unjust. Right. What does God want me to do about it? Has God made me the president? Has God put me in a place to do something about it? No. Right. Is there something I can constructively do with this? No. To the extent right. that I can do anything constructive about it, like come on my podcast and talk about it, well, that's something that I can do. Right. Um, but for me to allow that rocket fuel of anger to become outrage porn and, and cancel out my reason and will, right. in some sense, makes me less human. And, you know, people have pointed out, Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. It's interesting, that verb, inherit. What it doesn't say is, it doesn't say they shall take the world. Right. Right? Because right. that's where the, what they've done is they've learned to control those emotions yep. and to measure those things and to direct their emotions towards constructive purposes within constructive limits and know where their limits are, in a sense, what God wants to apply themselves to and what they don't. So, you know, for me, like, I, I just, I think all of this got so much worse in the last number of years because of social media and 24-7 yeah. cable news. Yep. And I think that it really got bad in the last few years with, um, you know, uh, some of our politics and COVID and this and that and the yep. elections. And now on both sides, people are just, and whether it's, you know, whatever the issue of the day is, transgender, blah, 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 or whatever, pick your thing. But people are just consumed with yeah outrage on either on both sides of every issue I, I try to be well informed right so i'll kind of look at the internet and there's certain news sources that i go to to sort of figure out what's going on today certain things that i'll skim articles right. that i'll read you know a couple of news sources on you know tv right. or media that i kind of check out but i i can't watch this stuff all day and partly yeah. because there's nothing that i and that's one of the things that covid taught us there's nothing I, God hasn't put there. There's nothing I'm going to do about it. Right. The things that God has put in front of me to do today, I'm right. going to apply myself to those things. Right. And if there's something that God uh, wants me to direct myself towards, he'll put it in front of me in right. such a way that I can do something about it. And, and then that anger, if I feel angry, because like I said, the abused child or this or that or right. whatever, then, then I allow that to, to, you know, yep. to, to, to take action. But other than that, I'm not going to sit and let this thing rot my soul. And right. I know too many people that, that it is just rotting their soul from yeah. the inside out. Yep. Good stuff, Greg. All right. Well, that was a long diatribe about anger. See, I was, I was, I'm being outraged about. Yeah. I'm sitting outraged. here being angry that you're going too long. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, oh, wow. And you know, the wind is whistling through the pines and wow, we right. went really long on that one. So, all right, dear listeners. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. 
greg at consideringcatholicism.com.